Today's episode is sponsored by Sweeter Heater. Sweeter Heater is a safer alternative to heat lamps. Their products provide a safe, soft, gentle, infrared radiant heat to your new poultry friends. Sweeter Heater has no hot spots and develops a uniform heat pattern. It's developed to warm the animal, not the environment, and is fully adjustable to maintain the ideal comfort level for your choice in baby poultry. So upgrade your feathered friends with Sweeter Heater. Go to SweeterHeater.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 15% off one or more heaters. That's SweeterHeater.com with code DRINKANDFARM, all lowercase. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking? So I just opened a 50 West. Uh, it's the watermelon one. Mm. I stuck it in a in, in a koozie again because it's so hot. My beers <laughs> have been getting hot too fast. So I can't read the can when I do that. And then I mess myself all up. It's called Quencher. And it is an activated ale brewed with natural flavors. And that natural flavor is watermelon. It's basically like... A watermelon vitamin water, but with beer. So would you say (laughs) that it's like a LaCroix or it's like carbonated in a light flavor or is the flavor pretty impactful? The flavor is pretty light, which I like. Yeah. So what are you drinking over there? So I am drinking the second Me and the Bees lemonade uh, that was sent to us by Not a Professional Homesteader. Um, and this one is with mint and mm. I did like chug, a like a quarter of the bottle and then add, added vodka to it again, because I was in a rush when, <laughs> when I said, yeah, no, let's record. And I was like, oh yeah, I got another one of these. Just, let's just turn this into an alcoholic lemonade. But, um, the mint one is so good. I think I like it more than the prickly pear. Ooh. So um, I might be ordering some of these for myself because they're really good. Nice. I'm so glad to hear that. I'll be drinking my other one next week. I forgot to put it in the fridge so it wasn't cold. And my last, the last episode that we drank them on, I put the, I put it in our insulated cup, our tall one, our coffee tumbler with uh-huh. ice. And that made it so that it didn't get all watered down. But that was dirty. So it was like, I give up. I'm just grabbing a beer. Next week. That works. <laughs> next week. Our drink peep this episode is our friend Katie over at Sticky Holler Farm. And in fact, really quick shout out to Katie. They started a new podcast. She mm-hmm. she has a Sam also. Her Sam is at Fierce Roots Farms. No, Fierce Roots Farms. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Uh, and it's called Ear Bray Love. And I'll be on their next episode, I think, or the episode after that. I don't mm-hmm. know. So I thought that was a good segue yeah. into that since Katie was our drink sponsor. Perfect. Yeah. And um, also, she got a pretty fierce donkey tattoo that she shared in our Facebook group. It's beautiful. That's right. Mm-hmm. That could have been my can't even this week. I love it so oh. much. I showed it to my husband and he just like smiled really big because he knows that I've been wanting to do something like that. But I'm like, I don't know where to put tattoos. And he looked up to me. He's like, OK, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you just telling me you were feeling old the other day? Maybe his comments aren't helping. Probably not. Tell him to be like, more well, constructive. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, where do I put it? I, I don't have any other arm tattoos. And. It feels really overwhelming to start with that on my sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a shoulder blade? Yeah, but Katie's is gorgeous. Like the artwork is just, oh, we'll put a link in the show notes to her Instagram post to that, um, to that tattoo. I think she put it on Instagram because it's like, it's the best. And make sure you check out our Patreon, which is where we get our drink sponsors from. It's a good way to to support the podcast starting at $2 a month. And you're able to see all kinds of updates. Like I posted the picture of the 
uh, vent prolapse in my duck in there as promised. And we also post outtakes and other weird things in there. So just $2 a month and you get access to that stuff. So I guess we'll just jump into this week's episode. Um, today we're going to talk about, you know, things that we would have done differently or lessons learned, um, since we've been on our farms. So obviously the whole farming thing can be pretty intimidating, but sometimes you just got to rip off the bandaid and start. So of course things aren't going to go as planned or down the road, you'll have hindsight (laughs) and realize (laughs) that you should have done something differently. Uh, so we want to talk about some of those things that we've experienced to show you that you it's okay and you'll recover from them. Yeah. And, you know, if you find that you're in the middle of one of these mistakes, maybe we can help you course correct just a little sooner. <laughs> a little sooner than we did. <laughs> yes. Agreed. So, Sam, what is the first thing that you thought of that you would do differently if you could do it all over again? So I would have separated the boy coats from the girl coats like ASAP in a sustainable way. We did separate them initially. Like we got, I I started with Biscuit and Maya and Biscuit is weathered. So it wasn't a problem. And then all of a sudden I got two more goats, but that male was also weathered. And that same weekend I got two, um, and he was a like two week old bottle baby when I got him. And he started living, but started out by living in the house uh, for quite a while. I think it was until like April. And I got him the last week of January. So he's in the house for a long time. Um, not just like roaming around freely, but you know. So I got him in the, <laughs> I got him in the winter, which doesn't make uh, putting any projects together easy. Um And it took time, like, getting him used to the herd and all that. And I did have, like, a separate pen for him within the barn. But, you know, I wasn't just going to keep him locked up all the time. So we did, like, kind of plan out the first round of pregnancy with him when he was old enough to know what to do. And then once the goats are pregnant, they can't get re-pregnant. So I didn't really worry about it until after both goats gave birth. And then I was like, well, shoot, now I need to figure this out. So a lot of it was like, okay, the boys are going to go out and then they'll come back in and then I'll let the girls go out for a while. So we were like rotating who got to go outside when, and it was a very small pasture area and it was just pain in the butt. And, um, it caused some unplanned pregnancies because sometimes they would get in with each other or I would just say, Hey, use these apron things. And then. Waffles outgrew his apron and I didn't really notice and he knocked up bitches. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, um, you know, I think Maya's current pregnancy is probably a, a boy goat that I thought wasn't old enough to get her knocked up. So here we are. Um, <laughs> but we finally recovered from that. So I would have done this a lot sooner. And here are the reasons why I didn't do it sooner. Extended fencing is very expensive. Yeah. Um, I, as I said on previous episodes, like we spent, we invested like a thousand dollars in fencing and T posts and wood posts and doing it completely right. Um, and then I had to buy a gate, which was like another $130. And then I was lucky enough to find a gate on our property that was four feet for one of the other gates I needed. So I saved costs there. So it was like a mixture of being able to actually finance it and be able to source things that we already had on the farm from the previous owners that we just hadn't discovered yet. And I think too, a lot of it's brain space. Uh, the past couple of years have been kind of financially rough. And when you're in a financially rough situation, it's really hard to, at least for me, to not have a pity party and sometimes not be able to think creatively or feel like you're in a space where you don't want to invest money outside of, you know, just being terrified that you're going to lose your money again. Um, Yeah, no, that's totally true. mm -hmm. Uh, So when you don't have everything that you think you might need and whether it turns out that like it's true or not mm-hmm. you know that that you're living in like what's quote unquote scarcity that takes up 
brain space because oh, your yeah. brain is constantly thinking about how to replenish that thing mm-hmm. that's running out or what your next step is to make sure that you don't have to go without something that you feel is like critical to right. your well-being whether it's emotional or physical or whatever so that totally makes sense it's, it's hard to make decisions when your brain is is bogged down by worry mm-hmm. yeah and once you get behind financially on stuff it's really hard to get caught up especially if you're in that situation for a while so i had to financially recover i had to mentally recover i had to kind of get my faith back a little bit and and not being worried that i was just going to get screwed over out of nowhere and not be prepared for it um and then i also had to start intentionally setting aside money which is something that um was one of my goals for the year was to have a farm savings account and to have resources dedicated just to those projects so i didn't feel guilty you know, just pulling out of a general fund and saying, I'm going to allocate these resources to it. And there was no thought behind that, you know? So I was very intentional in that planning. Um, I'm doing the same thing for Christmas shopping this year too. Oh, good. And, uh, you know, just to kind of feel like I'm a little more organized. I feel a little more in control of what's happening, even though I feel like control is kind of like a it's not a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You, you that you nailed that. It's yeah. not a real thing. We there's a lot in our lives that we just don't have control over. Right. Once you once you find peace in that, I feel like it's a little easier to move on. Right. When things don't go our way. But like my literally my profession is project management is what it boils down to, which is like being a control freak. <laughs> That's like, true. Just like Willow here. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right. she's our pup sir. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, a lot of that was situational, so I couldn't necessarily do it right away, but if I would have started it, um, if I would could have redone it as soon as we got to, I would have start planning to do those things instead of waiting until like over two years later. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Like, and sometimes you don't really know exactly what you're gonna need because like toot was your first boy goat yeah so like you know you read the things and you learned (laughs) about like what to expect when you have an intact male animal Mm -hmm. but sometimes it just like translates differently on your farm right like yeah and and he wasn't you weren't originally planning on keeping Mm -mm. him as intact that was kind of like that came later after if i remember right the breeder came over and talked about like what a good looking goat he was and like how he conformed like to the proper like nigerian standards so yeah he was standing on a rug and peeing because he was trained and we were about to take him outside to disbud him and she's like (laughs) wow look at him his conformance is so good blah 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 and and it is like him and maya maya's registered um and she they make beautiful babies together um so she wasn't wrong but now it's like yeah they've multiplied and i didn't get rid of some other ones so that also created issues so (laughs) yep yeah Well, I'll piggyback on that really quick. If I could do anything over again with my goats, I would have gotten a buck right away. Yeah. And just like bit the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Because now I've had my goats for a year and a half and I'm just now finally getting the goat babies and the milk like in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) at, that like really ended up slowing me down because I just didn't know where to start. And and what happens around here, and I think that this happens for you also, is once I get something, like whether it's an animal or a project or whatever, like once it's there, I have to deal with it and take care of it and figure out how to mm-hmm. make it work. And when I was planning it, I was thinking to myself, no, I don't have space for female goats and a male goat to keep them separately. So I'm just not going to do it because I need to build that space first. But if I had just gotten the buck, I would have built that space at the same time that I built the lady space. Right. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should say the ladies in Coop because Coop's technically not a lady, <laughs> but he's a weather, so he can live with the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is one of the first mistakes that you think of when, when we brought up this topic? So the very first mistake that I thought of was like the very first thing that we did when we decided to like start this weird farm thing that we have going on here. Um, And that was that uh, I wish we would have bought a smaller house, which I know sounds really weird. No, I don't think it does. Because I thought the same thing. (laughs) Did you? Okay. Like, when we were moving, you know, so we were moving from a place that we liked and was nice in Phoenix. But, like, you always feel like you have to upgrade, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're buying your second house, it has to be a better one than the first one, right? Otherwise, you're not moving up in the world, whatever the (laughs) hell that means. (laughs) Right. And, like, I love our house. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But... It's a pain in the ass to maintain this place. Yeah, I could see that. It's it is really big. <laughs> yeah, the maintenance of it is just so much that it takes away from being able to do more farm projects and more farm things outside. Mm-hmm. Now we're like we're learning how to work with it. Mm-hmm. But like if I could do it all over again, I would have bought a house that was the same size as our other house and you know, when we originally were getting this big house, I was picturing, you know, both my husband and I work from home. So I was like, oh, good. We can both have our own offices. And when the kids grow up and come back at Christmas time, they'll both have their bedrooms for their families. And, you know, like all of this stuff, like mm-hmm. who knows if both of my kids are going to come back for Christmas and who knows if both of my kids are even going to have families. Like, <laughs> right. Right. You don't know. No, I just I thought so far in the future and I was thinking like everyone would be visiting us all the time and we need all this space. And I mean, the truth is we only really like have to have this much space, maybe like twice a year. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm glad for it those two times out of the year. But (laughs) right. Well, and I think, too, sometimes when you're looking for a house, you really bank on the land and the things that come with it too, because your property is really beautiful. Like where it's situated is like breathtaking. And then you already had some fencing in and you have that big old barn. So it's like, that seemed like a really big package deal, but I could see why that would be a lot of upkeep on the house. Yeah. And you're right. Like that's, it, it all like totally came together. I mm-hmm. think that like if I had seen like this house in town, I would have passed on it in a heartbeat because I didn't necessarily like really care about mm-hmm. like the house in general. But when we lived in Phoenix, we had a house that required a lot of maintenance. Like we had a storm come in and we had to replace a kitchen. So we lived in constant construction for like the last year and a half that we lived in that house. Oh. So when we were moving here, we thought to ourselves, let's buy a like a nicer, newer house. It won't require mm-hmm. so much like construction maintenance because that'll save us time and we'll get to spend more time on the farm. We forgot about like general maintenance. <laughs> like cleaning. Upkeep. Like cleaning. <laughs> yeah, cleaning. Like cleaning a big house takes a lot of time. And, and like, yeah, we probably could hire help for mm-hmm. cleaning. But I don't know. Like, even when we lived in Phoenix, I didn't really do that all that often. Like, I had somebody come and help every now and then, like when I had like small babies because I just didn't have time or space but like now I'm like I work from home I I don't have any excuse not to just do it myself other than that I'm not organized enough (laughs) well I don't here's the thing and and my mom who actually cleans houses for a living reminds me of this you know just because you are at home doesn't mean you have time that's true like when I was going into the office two days a week and you know Matt goes in every day you know, that's pretty busy because you're not getting home till late. And then 
you come home and you got to make dinner. And then if you have chores to do outside and like by the time you're done with that, it's like eight, nine o'clock at night. The last thing you're going to want to do is clean. And then you have to like squeeze it in on the weekend. So just because you're working from home does not mean that that is a free pass for you to clean all day (laughs) because you're working. And I think I honestly, (laughs) when I work from home, I work way more than I do when I'm in the office because it's way easier to get into casual conversation when you're in an office. So the extra brain space it takes when you work from home because you don't move. You're not talking socially necessarily. At least I'm not usually. Um, You're more, (laughs) I feel myself burning out more. Yeah. Because it's so much more intense. And I do, I get up and start at seven and I don't, you know, generally leave until five and some days I can step away for lunch or longer and some days I can't. Like it just kind of depends. So I wouldn't, say it's because you're an organized. I think you just have priorities that are higher than that right now. That's totally true. So maybe someday I will get some help and then I won't feel guilty about it. I definitely want to. (laughs) Something else too about having a bigger house is that bigger houses cost more money. Yeah. (laughs) It costs a lot to heat a big house, especially, you know, no matter what your source of heat is. Yeah. Um, That was kind of a learning curve for us, too, because um, I grew up on propane, but I never paid the bill. So I didn't understand how impactful it is and how you need to budget for it. Uh, So, like, having to fill up our propane tank, you know, probably a couple times a year and it being, like, four or $500 each time we do it if we don't, like, fill it completely, uh, that'll throw you for a curve when you're not expecting that. So... Working that into a budget was a, an interesting thing for us. And now I feel like, knock on wood, I kind of have it down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just that and the electricity to run it. But also the electricity to run your barns and stuff too and any outdoor stuff. Like, I didn't necessarily think of the impact of that either. Yeah. I mean, and also just like having a bigger mortgage in general because the house was bigger. Like, you know, what do you do about stuff like that? Once you're like all settled in, you're like, oh, hey, I want to do all these farm projects. Oh, just kidding. (laughs) Have to pay for the house. (laughs) Have to pay to live here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like for us too, like we came from like a 1,200 square foot house And now we're in like 2,500 just for the top floor. The bottom floor is unfinished, but it's like, I wanted more space for my stepkids and for my sanity. Um, (laughs) But now that they're growing up and we don't have them nearly as often, it feels kind of silly to have as much space as we do. Because sorry, mom, if you're listening, I don't know if I want to have a baby or not, especially with the current climate we're in. So I don't know if it makes sense to have this much space, but I would feel super guilty. Like if we did start getting them more regularly again and they didn't have what they felt was, was adequate space for them. So I don't anticipate us being able to downsize until they graduate from college, but it's definitely a factor. It's kind of like that psychological thing you were talking about, about thinking like super far long term, and then it yeah. not turning out how you expected. Yep. That's exactly right. I keep my husband and I like, you know, Orion's going to graduate within the next couple of years yeah. and he'll probably end up sticking around for a year or two. But, you know, when he's gone, it's just going to be three of us in here, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds kind of hilarious. <laughs> and then yeah. eventually it'll just be Jared and I. And we're going to just like, I don't know, block off wings. I don't know. Get a lot of dogs. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Get a lot of house goats. Yeah. There you go. That will go over well. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there are things that we've done, you know, to make it still work out and not be the end of the world. Because obviously we're not going to move. Like this one has all the infrastructure for us. And we put a lot of work into it. So. We're here, even if we feel a little silly in all right. of this space. Right. But like one of the big things that we did, and it's going to sound really stupid uh, to cut down on the maintenance, is we actually bought a new vacuum cleaner. <laughs> uh, I have the same vacuum cleaner that you're talking about here, I think. Do and you? I love it so yeah. much. 
It's the most amazing thing ever. I got a Dyson like V10 animal, I think was the one that I bought. Mm-hmm. And it's like a stick and yeah. it charges. It can only mm-hmm. vacuum for like an hour at a time. So that means you got to like break up your cleaning time and not try to do it all in right. like one Saturday. But that actually works out better because like I'll just vacuum the kitchen before I go to bed or I'll vacuum our bedroom when I wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and then I don't have to spend a whole day cleaning. Right. And it's small enough the kids can move it around and, like, actually use it on, like, our big giant vacuum cleaner Mm -hmm. that they totally broke, (laughs) (laughs) which is why we had to get a new, like, fancy vacuum cleaner. In fact, when I first got it, like, I looked at the price tag for that Dyson thing and I was like, no way. That is ridiculous. (laughs) But Amazon Warehouse has deals on stuff like that all the time. So it was an open box. Like, when I opened the box, it was all junky because, you know, like, all the pieces were just, like, thrown into a box open. Uh And I was like, oh, like, you know, we still spent a few hundred bucks on it. So I was like, that's not a very nice package to open up when you just dropped like three or four hundred dollars. But it like I put it all together and it looks brand new. It's originally like a six or seven hundred dollar vacuum or something yeah. like that. So it was like totally worth it not to have that fancy unboxing experience. <laughs> yeah, we got ours during Black Friday and it was a freaking smart deal. Like we weren't even planning on it. We were just walking through Walmart, mostly just to see like the shit show of Black Friday. But it was technically <laughs> Thursday night. Um, and I'd never really been, well, I'd only been out once before. So I just wanted to walk around and then we saw it and I was like, it was so good of a deal. Like I'm like, we're getting it. And I like that. And also a game changer, Roomba. Oh, I have one of those too, mm-hmm. but I never turn it on. I should just turn it on. Ours is scheduled to go off at certain times. So it just goes by itself. And then the only thing is like we have so much dog hair in here. Like I have to <laughs> empty it like a couple of times while it's running. But I don't have to think about like sweeping or doing any of that because that thing just does its thing for me. And it's so nice. So worth the money in my opinion. To have those two types of vacuums. That's awesome. I'm glad to know I'm not alone in the liking <laughs> having a fancy vacuum thing. Because I felt like a weirdo when I typed this out. No. Like, no one's going to relate to this. No one cares about my vacuum cleaner. Well, at least we can relate <laughs> to each other. But no, this is true. I think sometimes people get scared off by price tags. Like the Roomba's not super cheap either, especially when you look at it. Like I was anti-Roomba and Matt went out and got one. And I was like, okay, you're right. This is kind of nice. So I think sometimes those higher priced items that might make your life easier, like you're just not going to do it again, especially if you were like me, I was in a scarcity mindset. Like I'm going to buy the $50 vacuum that is going to be miserable to haul around and be clunky and just ugly. Whereas the, like the stick vacuum we have is super discreet and I barely know it's there and it does a great job. And it's quiet, too. Yeah. It's, like, so much quieter. My Roomba's super old. We bought it when we still lived in Arizona, and I moved it here, and um, I actually have to buy, like, new barriers for it because our house is too big. Oh. It gets lost, and then it dies. It, like, the battery dies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I stopped using it because it would, like, wander off and then never come home, Aww. and I'd have to go find it. Oh, poor Roomba. <laughs> yeah, it was actually kind of sad. Aww. And, you know, like as for, you know, like having a more expensive mortgage or bills or things like that, like one of the things we've done is we've decided that we're just going to like try to pay off the house as fast as possible, oh, yeah. which is a really big goal. Mm-hmm. But we've just like rerouted other things in our budget to try to reach that. And we refinance down to like 20 years. And like if you have space in your budget to get to do stuff like that, mm-hmm. like that's always an option. And it's not easy to get to that point. Like when we first got here, we didn't have that because, you know, we just moved across the country. But then once we settled in and figured out like what we really needed and what we really didn't need, it, that became just a little yeah. bit easier. So, yeah, it's all just really tailoring it to your current situation. Yeah. And your priorities. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what is another thing that you wish you would have done differently? So I wish I would have started selling animals sooner. And this kind of ties back to the goat births. I kept all of those goats the first round with Maya and Diana. And I don't regret it. But again, 
That was during my scarcity mindset. Oh, you're like, we're not going to have enough goats. Well, it wasn't that. It was just that I was so emotionally effed. Like, I was not Mm. in a good emotional space. And the goats were, like, a source of joy. And I didn't want my source of joy to go away. That's Even though, like, tying your joy, your your sole joy purpose to goats is probably a little nutty and dangerous. But (laughs) at the time, it made sense. And now, like, I couldn't. There's no way I would get rid of them. Um, And there's that learning curve, too, of creating life on your farm and not getting so attached to it that you can't sell it yeah and that takes time for some to shift so for me like and the same comes for like processing you know chickens or anything like that too oh yeah um it takes it's a mental shift so now I feel like now like a couple years later I'm like oh yeah um I sold my first two goats and that was kind of hard but I didn't cry um but then the next two that I just sold that I need to still deliver once their shelter is built to somebody I work with, um, uh, that'll be another two. That's feeling far easier um, because I kind of put some boundaries around how much I loved them and how serious I took the names that I named them <laughs> for their for the first couple months of their life here. Um, so I found ways for, to make it work for me. It also helps that I kind of at least know the people in some capacity that are taking the animals. So it's a good stepping stone to do it that way. Um, and getting money for your animals is really fun. I had um, somebody come over last weekend that bought the first two goats for me. And she took three ducklings. She took um, her and one of her friends. Um, they took four of my goslings that are like a couple months old now. Um, and then they took two bunnies. So I got money out of the deal and I don't have to feed those animals anymore. So it's like a double win. Yeah. That's actually really huge. So your Mm -hmm. farm like actually makes money. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't tell the government because it doesn't make that much yet. It doesn't make that much. I swear. Nah, you're probably like breaking even, not even. Oh, not even. Yeah. I mean, and how much you invest Mm -hmm. in taking care of a pregnant goat and feeding a pregnant goat and then feeding the kids before they get sold. And then taking to the vet to get despotted and to get castrated if they're boys oh yeah but it's nice to get money out of it and then you do get the return of not having to feed them anymore and it kind of gives more purpose to what I'm doing outside of just you know hoarding joy myself I'm kind of spreading it to other people that want those animals you're becoming a joy farmer (laughs) 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 we're gonna have to make a shirt or something about that um, oh yeah I like that yeah and you yeah, spread the joy don't hoard that shit yeah. Uh, <laughs> um so yeah I think I wish I would have opened myself up to that sooner um I did have delays in that because originally I was gonna try to sell you know chicks and hatching eggs but then our That's flock right. got avian leukosis so that kind of derailed my original plans um And I think I just kind of, it took me a while to get back on track. And that's okay because I figured out ways to make it work for me, ways that I could take baby steps and not feel like I was just ripping off the Band-Aid with the whole selling of animals thing. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I think think the key is kind of giving yourself grace, you know. This stuff isn't necessarily easy, even though it sounds like it might be. Um, And just kind of figuring it out. So, yeah. Well, I think it totally makes sense that you end up emotionally attached to the animals Mm -hmm. that you raise on your farm because every animal teaches you a lesson of some kind. It doesn't matter. Like it it might have been like a totally good and perfect experience. You still learn something from Mm -hmm. raising that animal. And so like you get a little bit of an attachment to it. And eventually, you know, you'll do it so often that it won't be quite so profound. Every lesson won't stick with you like those first several did. And that's got to be like what builds that attachment. Yeah. Or that's one of the things at least. (laughs) Yeah. So what else did you have to share today? So my other thing, and it ties back into the house thing, um, our yard is too big. (laughs) (laughs) 
Too big. You went too big. They say go big or go home, and you went big in your home, and now yeah. you have regrets. <laughs> I, I and you know it's funny. Like eventually we're going to grow into the space, so it's not the end of the world right right now. But we've got almost twelve acres, and almost all of it has to be mowed or maintained. That's insane. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Like between Jared and I, we probably spend about eight hours a week mowing. Yeah, it's a whole work day for one of us. Yeah just spent mowing on the mower and I mean yeah I get to listen to books and podcasts and I learn a lot of things while I'm sitting on the mower but I'm also getting very tan and sweating (laughs) and (laughs) yes sitting on the mower I could be doing something else yeah could be playing with my animals I could be working in the garden I could be building something you know Mm -hmm. uh and the grass continues to just freaking grow back yeah I mean it doesn't end it never yeah. ends. The lawn is like the most ridiculous thing ever. If I could just let all of this be wild prairie grass, I totally would. But <laughs> we'd have so many ticks. Like it would oh, be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to stretch some more fence and let the goats run wild. Well, goats. we already have to mow our pasture because I don't have enough animals to eat the uh, pasture down. You need so, sheep. Yeah, I need some sheep. I need some lawnmowers. Like, and we'll get there eventually. Like, I need animals that are lawnmowers, not more lawnmowers. <laughs> Although a second lawnmower would let us like uh, yeah. tag team the mowing. And we haven't talked about it. We were suspicious when we looked at the house. There were two mowers in the barn. And we were like, <laughs> is this so much mowing that it actually takes two? The answer to that is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, if you can swing it and what do you, do you think, you know, your kids would feel comfortable pitching in with that chore someday when they're a little older or no? Technically Orion's probably old enough to teach him how to ride the mower, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know. So when I was his age, I totally would have been able to hop on a mower and like mow, no problem. But I was also a really independent and like responsible sort of teenager Mm -hmm. but it was also because I was also I was I was very much on my own like at an earlier age than I think most people are Mm -hmm. and so I don't know I'm like I still look at him and I feel like he might still be kind of like a kid but that's not fair to him like I, I know that that's probably not true he could probably handle it if we gave him the instruction so you know maybe Sometime this summer, I'll have him just do the back area yeah. like where it's all flat. Because, like, our hills are really dangerous. Yes, they are. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, and we have dangerous hills all over the place. It's not just that front one. Like, mm-hmm. along the way to the meadow is a really dangerous hill. So, I don't know. I'm going to have to I, – I need to step into that bravery of letting my kids grow up and help with stuff like that. Because you're right. He totally can't help. There's no reason not to. Right. I just need to – I need to get over my – fear of letting him help I guess (laughs) well and I think it depends on like because like here's the thing I don't mow here Matt probably spends like five hours mowing every week because we have like seven and our lawnmower like it the the things we've done to keep that stupid thing running and like we're gonna have to save (laughs) to get one a new one next year um so that's part of our speed problem now that this pasture is extended it's not nearly as long it's probably more like three and a half four hours um, but I don't do it because one, it, the lawnmower is scary to me because it's a piece of crap. Yeah. Um, but you know, it does the job. And two, like Matt won't say it, but if I mowed it, he would totally criticize my lines because I just don't have that detail attention like he does for that yeah. sort of thing. And I just don't want to hear it. So I don't even volunteer. So I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was like you and Jared were really into like the lines and that no. was why, but I think I was probably mowing when I was like 12, 13, but it was like a riding lawnmower with a steering wheel, not like a zero turn. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that totally makes a difference. Maybe I can find, you know, like an older one with a steering wheel yeah. for him to practice on. That might be worth looking into because then I can be doing the hills and like the hard parts while he's doing all the flat parts because yeah. you're right. There's totally no reason for him not to help. But we have cut down on the amount of spaces that need mowing. Oh, like, good. We put in a giant garden that took oh. up tons of mowing space. It's like right smack in the middle of the backyard. The greenhouse took up some space. Uh We've also cut down on the mowing by putting borders on everything. <laughs> so, like, it required 
a lot of time and energy to put in the borders, but so far they've been totally worth it because they stop weeds from growing up around the buildings. Like I'm talking about chicken coops, the garden, the house, the, uh, what is it? The greenhouse, like all of those things. We're working on bordering everything and weed clothing everything. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's going to pay off in the end. We're going to save some time. Uh, and we've also ripped out some of the garden beds that we had here. We had like these islands like that you had to mow around because they were like filled with flowers but then after year two there were no more flowers in them they were just filled with weeds because <laughs> they didn't have time to weed them yeah yeah no I understand that I pulled up weed cloth because I got cocky and now my front yard is out of control for those flowers. yeah right so yeah it's high it's high maintenance if you don't put in a lot of that weed barrier edging etc time so we're figuring that out. And we've also decided that some areas are just going to be wild prairie grasses, but they're areas that we don't go in very often. Oh, okay. That makes so sense. So that way, yeah, we just mow them like every three or four times. And that cuts down the mowing, mm -hmm. you know, for a few of our things. And so that saves us some time and energy and, and helps us live with it. And we're going to put in a big orchard in one of the spots that we don't want to mow anymore. And that'll cut down on the mowing because the shade will keep the grass from growing as tall. And we'll be able to mulch it all in and... Yeah, we're basically just like in project mode right now. Yeah, I feel like we have been too this year. And I, I wonder if part of it is just because we can't literally like everything else is shut down or we're not fun right now. So, <laughs> so that's it's like true. where a lot of our resources are going. Yeah. Yeah, Jared just filled the barn with like wood and stuff to finish garden beds, redo our entire existing chicken coop, make more more um I think I already said garden beds but anyways like our <laughs> barn is like stacked full of lumber right now and he's like giving me instructions nice. on what I can work on so that we can keep moving on these projects and I was like well we're prepped if everything shuts down again we've got plenty <laughs> to do <laughs> and I'm over here like patting myself on the back for like grabbing an extra thing of toilet paper just in case <laughs> <laughs> I did not do that I refuse I refuse. I've just decided I'm grabbing a pack every time I get a grocery order, which is like every two weeks. So okay. I'm not grabbing a ton, but like if shit hits the fan, I want to be prepared this time. <laughs> Maybe I'm turning it into like just a teeny bit of a prepper. Just a teeny. <laughs> not <laughs> an actual right. one. But yeah, I learned my lesson. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope our chat on the things that we would have done differently if we could do them over again, you know, helps you guys plan um, mm -hmm. or maybe move into fixing some mistakes you've made that are similar a little faster than we did. <laughs> yeah. Or hopefully at least sharing our initial thought processes and struggles and things can help you plan better or just feel less sorry for yourself if you're stuck in the same place we are yeah maybe you can feel a little less silly yeah <laughs> all right so now it's time for we can't even corner so do you want to go first bev yes so um my can't even this week is from npr and it's called Absentee Landlords Interfere with Farmers Protecting Water and Soil. And I saw the headline and I was like, what? What is this about? Yeah, it sounds kind and of scary. It does sound a little scary, but it's actually really interesting. Okay. And um, I see I see this in, area, in farmland areas around here, too. So I thought I would just share it with everyone else. We almost turned this into a topic, but I don't know. I think it's more fun kind of as a can't even. So basically, uh, what the gist of the article is that, you know, um, some of our environmental issues that we have um, are due to like lack of biodiversity because there are really, really big, you know, like swaths of just like monocropped farmland and areas. And what this article is suggesting is that to uh, cut down on that and increase the biodiversity, you could put in strips of prairie land, like in between fields. Mm. which allows for like birds and bees and maybe some deer and wildlife and stuff to come in. And I don't know if it's like this in Michigan, but in Northern Ohio where you see really large um, fields, they'll actually have like a patch of woods in the middle of it. 
and ah. that increases some biodiversity in the area. And what this article was saying is that the reason why, um, like, absentee landowners add to the problem of not having enough biodiversity in farm areas is because when you rent farmland, you want to uh, get as much crop out of it as possible. So you don't want to necessarily dedicate acreage to, uh, you know, an area that's not really going to produce you any money. Right. Um, but a lot of these farm tract areas also have, like, low spots that the corn or the soybeans or the wheat don't grow in. So, like, there's the field right across the street from my house. I can see it because I'm on top of the hill. But right in the middle, there's, like, a big depression where nothing grows. And it's because that's where the water collects. And it drowns out those – it drowns out the corn from growing. So uh, what this article is suggesting is that you could turn those areas where – like the crop doesn't grow anyways into these wild prairie lands so that you can bring some more biodiversity into the area. And I thought that's such a cool idea. Like you could totally just seed it with things that are fine with having wet roots and let them take hold and grow. And then, you know, you could increase that. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting. We'll have a link to it in the show notes so you guys can read it and see what you think. And of course, I'd love to discuss it with somebody if uh, anyone's interested in this. Interesting stuff, for sure. Yeah. So what's your can't even this week? So mine mine will have two links. So one is from WholeFoodsMagazine.com, which is the original um, article I found. And then Bev actually found an NPR.org article that's related. Um, My article is from, and it's reloading course um (laughs) it is from july 15th which is today um as we record uh and uh it's (laughs) it's not an article by PETA, but PETA did an investigation to make you feel guilty about your coconut products and it just made me like laugh (laughs) because there's a picture of like coconut milk and i know how bev feels about non-dairy milk so (laughs) Part of me just wanted to share it because of that. But PETA is claiming that several coconut products are made with animal labor. So if you're drinking those things because you're a vegan or vegetarian, um, you know, because of you know, you're not into like animals being used for any purpose for a human, uh, you might want to source where you're getting those things from. Um, and I feel kind of bad because I don't know how I really feel about animals being trained and used for labor at, at this scale. So (laughs) I'm obviously like a fan of like using horses to pull wagons and things like that. Like that makes a lot of sense. Um, but, uh, anyways, this article talks about how, um, humans can pick like 80 coconuts per day but trained monkeys can pick up to a thousand. So, Whoa. so PETA said it found eight farms in Thailand where mon- monkeys were forced to pick coconuts. Um, the animals were largely illegally captured as babies and displayed quote unquote, stereotypical behavior indicative of extreme stress. Um, whatever that means. Uh, it did say that monkeys were chained to old tires and confined to cages. In one case, PETA was told that monkeys that tried to bite handlers would have their canine teeth pulled out. So Aww. obviously, like, if that stuff has actually happened, that's not cool. Um, not a great thing to do. But in my mind, like, what <laughs> kind of caught my curiosity with this original article was that, like, monkeys are like picking a thousand coconuts a day in Thailand. Like the scale of that and what that looks like is just insane to me. Like <laughs> I can't even like that mental picture is wild. Yeah, that is super wild. Well, the one article that you found that's from NPR talks about how the monkeys come down and like hug their handlers every yeah. three or four trees that they do, which sounds kind of cute, but the removing of canine teeth does not sound cute. So maybe it's like anything else where it depends on the operation, how depends on the, operation. the monkeys are actually treated. Yeah, and how the source um, views it, maybe. Like NPR, maybe whoever went out and did this, maybe wasn't investigating the 
with the same tactics as PETA, which we know can be a little sneaky. Oh. Um, yeah. So some That's of that true. might go into it too, but both of these articles are super interesting. Um, good information. So if you're a coconut product consumer um, and, you know, this makes your stomach turn a little bit, um, maybe just source where your coconuts are coming from. Yeah, that's fair. It's always good to know. Um, yeah. And and I think it's fair as a consumer to care about where your things come from. Yeah. Maybe that'll be on like season three of Rotten. Oh, like maybe. Monkeys picking coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there hasn't been any Rotten season in a while. Maybe no. we'll pick and choose some episodes yeah. from that to talk about if we do it again. Yeah. So make sure you send us your can't evens. You can do that by posting them in the Facebook group, sending them via Facebook Messenger or Instagram, or you can email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And be sure and leave us a review because we will read one Apple podcast review per a week on the podcast and put your guys' name into a hat and draw a winner for an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. And this week's review is from Siren Blue via Apple Podcasts. And the title is from Earthworms and Earworm, Earworms. They cover it all. Oh, and nice. they say, such a great podcast that really is for the big farmer and the newbie backyard farmer. Such a wide variety of topics are covered and I love learning all the new things. Also, I find myself singing your jingle after listening to your podcast. My family thinks I'm crazy. Not new, though. <laughs> Keep up the great work, ladies. So thank you. I, yes, that jingle thanks. is catchy. So catchy. It is. My friend wrote it and yes. recorded it, so it's super cool. <laughs> yeah, it's catchy and it's personal, so I'm a fan. Yeah. So just a few housekeeping and announcements before we're done for the day. Uh, so Coop Camp has been delayed until 2021. Uh, yes. We got the email about that this week. So if you have not gotten that email yet, um, there's that information. But we are planning to go in 2021. So don't be too sad. We'll see you next year. And if you want to share your farm story with us or you can't even over the phone, we do have a phone number. It will be posted in the show notes. It's in our website as well. But if you're listening and can write it down, it is 401-426-3276, which is also 401-426-FARM. Uh, there's a three-minute limit on the voicemail. So if you're telling a short story, either be brief or call back and finish it, and we'll play both parts. Um, but we love playing those on the mini-sodes, so please go do that. You can also text us at that number as well. Um, be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find the podcast. And you can share this episode's Instagram post in your stories and tag at Drink and Farm. We will send you a promo code as a thank you for that episode. And it'll give you a percentage off in our merch, merch shop. And make sure that you take a look at the show notes to find links to the things that we discussed today, a survey to tell us how we're doing, and all of our social media stuff and merch shops. So that's it, guys. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that you are, you know, doing well, hanging in there. Times are still weird, but, you know, we're taking lemons and making them lemonade wherever we can. That's right. Even in the mistakes we make. Exactly. <laughs> so until next time, drink, farm, and, and give, give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm.